0: I am going to ask, as we prepare and start uh, this this sermon today, I'm going to ask everybody to uh, join me in just a moment of praying for this time, uh, praying for what we're about to talk about, and and before we do that, I want to say this also, so Teresa, I don't want to mess with that, I don't want to mess with this, so I'm going to do, and you move it, okay? Y'all didn't hear that. You're still going to think I'm doing it, Um, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and here's why. there are times when I've gotten up to preach that uh, anytime there's opposition to the truth of God being preached, right? There's always opposition to the truth of God being preached. Uh, but there are times when I feel very strongly in my own spirit that the the message or the significance of what it's about to be shared is so profound and so important and so powerful that there's even I just there's just this oppressive opposition towards it, and and I want us to just Come for a moment together. I want you to pray for me. I want us to pray for each other. I want us to pray for this moment because um, we didn't just come to hear a sermon. We came. I, hopefully you're here to hear the very voice of God. Amen. Right? Hopefully that's why we came this morning is to hear the very voice of God. So would you join me just for a moment? And, and let's pray for the next few moments that we have together as we open up God's word and we look at it together. Father, uh, I begin with the thought that nothing happens on accident, meaning there's a purpose for why we are gathered here this morning. There's a reason that you have uh, created and ordained this day, and for us to gather together as your people to worship you and to hear from you. Uh, So I want to be really focused, Father, on the significance of this moment. It's not... A moment of checking it off the box of yes, I went to church. We we are in the very presence of our King. We are here united by the very blood of Jesus that has washed us and justified us and is sanctifying us. We are filled and united by the Holy Spirit. That has been given to us as a seal, as that deposit of our faith. So, as we enter into this time, Spirit of God, have your way with us. Remove all opposition. Open our ears. May our spirits be open to you. Lord, today set captives free. Lord, today bring sight. To those that are believing lies, let us see truth. Let us see your glory. Let us see your love. Let us see you. We pray this in in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that has the power to save. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So to prepare us, uh, I have... One passage of scripture that is not going to be up on the overhead because uh, I think it's good for us to get used to pulling out our sword every once in a while and using it. So I'm going to prepare you. If you have a Bible, get ready. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 61 here in a little bit. So I'm giving you some foreknowledge so you're ready. you got your finger there. If you use your phone, great. Isaiah 61, we're going to get there here in a little bit. So I'm pre preparing us so we're ready when we get there pausing for a moment, because one of the coolest sounds in church is when you hear Bible pages. You ever notice that Bible pages have this very distinct sound? It sounds like one of the, it's one of the coolest things to hear in the church. So, Alright, so we are beginning our uh, second go-around of the Big Five as we talk through our core values as Blessed Hope Community Church. So we're going to look at core value number two starting today and we're going to process through this over the next four weeks so let's take a moment let's look at what our core value is we will pursue jesus with ridiculous joy why because jesus is victorious therefore so are we We will pursue Jesus with ridiculous joy. I loved when we were talking about this. When the leaders were talking and we were processing this and we were going back and forth on on this wording and, and we just kept coming back to landing on, you know, do we want to say we will pursue Jesus with joy? It's like, no. When we really understand what Jesus has done for us, when we really understand who Jesus is and who I am because of Jesus, when we really understand where we're heading and where we're going to end up once this life is over, when we really understand that, man, that is ridiculous joy. I mean, ridiculous. To the point that the world should look at us and be like, what is your problem? Have you ever thought about that before? That the world should look at us as the church, as disciples of Jesus As the redeemed As children of the most high God They should look at us and be like What is your problem? What, why do you have this ridiculous joy? It makes no sense Here's one of the reasons that I have felt opposition In preparing for this today I get all this I agree with all this I do not see anything that I'm going to say today as anything that I don't believe in wholeheartedly. But I struggle with it. I mean, I think it, it's fair to say that, I mean, let's, just, let's, let's be honest, one of our core values, the last one, we'll get there eventually, but one of our, our last core value is we won't get in his way, and part of that is no mask, so let's tear the mask off a little bit. I struggle with ridiculous joy. So I sat there many times going, Lord, I don't know if I really want to get up and talk about ridiculous joy because how do you talk about something that you're struggling to experience? And here's the thing. The more I've dived into this this week, I'm not trying to say that I have all the answers with this, but you start feeling God producing ridiculous joy. So let's just define this for a second. Let's talk about defining joy for a moment or, or getting a better understanding of that. So here's the first thing I want us to understand. The level of joy... In a disciple's life is directly proportioned to their walk and intimacy with Jesus. So, so, so let me explain this or say it a different way. The level of joy that you have in your life is going to be dependent upon how close you are to Jesus. Let me explain why that's so important. Because if I get honest with myself and I say, Lord, I'm struggling with ridiculous joy, then, warning flag, maybe that might mean that I have some issues when it comes to my intimacy with Jesus. And I'm not saying that as a, how dare we, I'm saying that's, that's the point of this, right? It's just like, I want joy, and if my joy is dependent upon my intimacy with Jesus, and I struggle with joy... Then that's God saying, hey, let's talk a little bit. Let's look at some stuff. And this goes with core value number one. Remember, core value number one is we're running to keep up with Jesus. Right? So if I'm running to keep up with Jesus, if my walk and my intimacy is with Jesus, if I'm living out core value number one, it's automatically going to produce in me core value number two. This is important for us to understand. Now here's the next thing to understand because then I get frustrated with this because I start thinking about this and I get frustrated. Uh, But here's the next thing I want us to understand as we understand and define joy. Joy is not created by us, but it's actually a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 tells us the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. So now here's the thing. This is where we get... Caught in 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 a problem when it comes to joy when we struggle with joy, then we tell ourselves well I'm going to produce joy. I'm going to find joy I'm going to do things. that's going to bring me joy The problem with that is we are assuming that we're in control of joy when scripture tells us that joy is actually a fruit of the spirit it comes to us through God it comes to us through our intimacy with Jesus. So again, I can't go out and produce more joy I can't make myself joyful. But I can position myself with the one that does. This is important to understand. Here's the next thing I want us to understand about joy. Joy is not based... On the shifting shadows of life, but on the firm foundation of Jesus. So let me explain what I mean by that. Joy is not based on the uh, shifting shadows of life, but on the firm foundation of Jesus. Once again, for me to truly understand joy, I have to accept the fact that joy, my joy, ridiculous joy, is not found, or it should not be based... On the shifting shadows of life. So what I mean by like that, be, mean with that is, anybody here ever had a really good day? And you'd be like, man, I'm joyful. And then the next day is a really bad day? See, we base our joy too much on circumstances. We base our joy too much on where we're at in life or what's happening in life. We've been duped into thinking that joy goes away when life gets hard. That that joy is dependent upon the shifting shadows of this world and of this life. And and that's a false uh, reality that too many of us are living in. I live in it. See, joy remains no matter what the circumstances of the day are like. Let me give you an example of this. Scripture tells us in Hebrews... It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Of all the situations in all of human history that I would not connect with joy would be the cross. But yet scripture tells us that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. I also think of other times So you think about Paul and Silas, right? They're, they're, they're in prison They're beaten They're bruised They're broken I mean, here's the thing When we read scripture Sometimes I don't think we I, I do this I, I don't really look at it The way that it really is And it talks about Paul and Silas being Abused and beaten And thrown into prison I mean, they were beaten They were bloodied They were broken They were chained up to a wall They were down in a nasty place It was gross It was disgusting It was disease infested It was, it was just disgusting And scripture tells us that they were singing praises to God. There was joy. There was rejoicing in the midst of a horrible situation. So joy is not based on the shifting shadows of life, but on the firm foundation of Jesus. We're going to get into that a little bit more here in a minute. The next one I want us to understand is this. Joy... So, hear me on this. Joy does produce in us emotions and feelings, but it is first a mindset based on truth, not what I feel. See, once again, we've fallen into a trap of thinking joy is an emotion or a feeling. Like, I don't feel happy. Hear me on this. I cannot be happy and still be joyful. Does that make sense? I can still have joy and still not be very happy on what's going on around me. But see, joy can produce in us emotions. It can produce in us feelings. The issue is we are putting too much uh, emphasis on what we feel when it comes to joy. See again, joy Is not an emotion necessarily it's not a feeling it is a mindset that is based on truth so when the world is falling apart around me let's go back to what we sang this morning if the world is falling apart around me I can still have joy on just this one truth Jesus is King see even if I feel like Jesus isn't King he's still King Even if I feel like my world is out of control, Jesus is still king. He's still seated on the throne. He still reigns supreme, and nothing will ever challenge that. And I can have joy, even when I don't feel happy. So then again, what is the foundation of our joy? That's why we added the second line with this one. The foundation of our joy is we will pursue Jesus with ridiculous joy. Why? What is the foundation? Because Jesus is victorious, and because Jesus is victorious, so am I. Period. I want to invest in like an amen sign. Right? Like, I won't use this anymore. We'll just push a button that says amen. I mean, think about this for a moment. I have joy because Jesus is victorious. Not because I'm victorious. It's not, I don't have joy because I'm killing this life, man. Like, hey, I'm awesome. Like, this is perfect. I'm doing everything right. Everything's working for me. That's not where my joy is found. Joy has to be found in this one truth. Jesus is Victorious. Jesus said this. Go to the next one. Take heart. I have overcome the world. That is such a profound statement. That's something we should commit to memory, honestly. When when the day gets bad, stop and say, You know what? Nope. Jesus, you said, Take heart because you've overcome the world. Period. See, what we do is we do this. I do this. Okay, take heart because Jesus has overcome the world, but my issues are so extreme, or my mountain is so big, or this will never change. We, we, we add to it, and Jesus is like, no, stop, time out, time out. Take heart, because I've overcome the world. It's done, I've taken care of it I've overcome the world But here's the deal, I can say this Hear me on this, because let's relate a little bit here I can say this, I still struggle with it I believe that wholeheartedly Let's just be honest with each other I still struggle with it there are days and there are moments and there are issues that I struggle with this. We're getting ready to kick off our next, uh, our, our next series. We're going to be talking mental health stuff. I struggle with depressive thoughts. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with these things that make me sit there and say, okay, Jesus, you've overcome the world, but I'm not feeling it. Because what I do is I look at what I can see I look at what's right in front of me I look at the hurdles I look at the mountain I look at the things I cannot change I look at everything except Jesus So here is something I thought of this morning for myself But I'm going to share it with you This was something I wrote for myself in my own journal When thinking about this because of my own struggles And this was the words that came to mind Joy Grows From the soil of faith And faith Is being certain Of what I don't see See, everything that robs my joy is the things that I can see. But God's telling me, He's like, Listen, no, joy, ridiculous joy, that it, that grows from, that produces that that comes forth from faith. And faith is being certain of what you don't see. Joy comes when I look beyond what's right in front of me and I fix my eyes on Jesus, the one that is victorious. But again, I still struggle. Here's a couple truths that, again, I put towards myself, but I'm going to share them with everyone to see if it relates to anybody. Because I told you, this has been a a couple weeks of me preparing this where I've wrestled back and forth with my own understanding of joy and God, this is where I'm at. And this, again, one of the truths that I kind of, I wrote down and I'm going to share with you is this. Just because, remember, Jesus is victorious. Just because I am not currently living in the full victory of Jesus does not mean that the victory of Jesus is not the reality. See, what happens is, is when I feel like I'm not being very victorious, it makes me start questioning the victory of Jesus. And Jesus is like, stop it. Just because you're not living it doesn't mean it's not true. Just because it's not the reality of your life at the moment doesn't lessen the victory that Jesus has. Which then led to truth number two that I wrote down. The circumstances, situations, and conditions of my life do not determine the victory of Jesus. But Jesus' victory can determine the circumstances, situation, and condition of my life. I mean, you're hearing this, right? We look at where we're at in life, and that makes us, we look through the lens of where we're at, and that's how we look at Jesus' victory. What we need to do is we need to look through Jesus' victory to understand the condition of our life. We've reversed it. I am tempted to reverse it. Because I want to make my circumstances, my situations, and my condition in life, I want to make that bigger than Jesus. And Jesus is like, don't do that. You need to make my victory bigger than all of that. Notice what scripture says. Galatians says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, when Paul wrote this, he was talking about the law. He was talking about this this conflict between uh, the law and, and grace. And he was talking about how it was coming back into the church, and people were starting to follow the law again, and they were forgetting the freedom that they had in Jesus, and they were trying to earn their salvation again. That's what he's talking about. But I think this has a bigger meaning if we really look at it. Notice again what it says. I love just the first sentence. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Whenever I read that or I think about that or I process that, it always makes me stop and ask the question, Okay, David, if it's for freedom that Christ has set me free, how am I doing on living out that freedom? Now let us understand freedom here for a moment because Paul had to reiterate this too. He's like, listen, I'm not talking about I get to do whatever I want. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about, hey, I became a Christian, and Jesus saved me, and I can live however I want. I can do whatever I want. I can act however I want because grace is supreme, and and he'll forgive me and all that. That's not what Paul's talking about. What he's saying, he's like, listen, Jesus set you free for a reason, and he set you free so that you could live in freedom. Live free. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning because, again, I think one of the things that steals our joy is when we're burdened by everything that Jesus has freed us from. So let me ask you a question. Let's be honest with each other. When I say each other, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but be honest with yourself. Do you struggle with joy? Do we struggle with ridiculous joy? Let's flip it over a little bit. Which one of these is more of the mark of your life? Let's think about this for a moment. Look at your day. Look at at how we live and interact. Think about this for a moment. Which is more of the mark of life? Frustration? Fear? Anxiety? Stress? Worry? Anger? Negativity? Doubt? Sadness? Defeat? Or joy? Do you know what I find interesting about joy? Just for a moment and maybe this is just true for me, but maybe somebody else can relate to this, is you know when you're struggling with ridiculous joy when you get around another person that really has ridiculous joy. And let me tell you why. Because you're in conflict, right? Here's the conflict. I want to be like that, but I also want to punch you in the face. You get what I'm saying? Like, you get around those people that have ridiculous, and I'm not talking fake joy. Let's time out for a second. Let's be blunt honest about it. There is fake joy in the church. I'm not talking about that person that's skipping in and singing like zippity doo da wonderful day. I'm not talking about that. And I only say that because sometimes we're really good at masking things. We're good at that. There's fake joy right There's, there's a way that people can, can kind of present I'm talking about that genuine article right You get around that person you know You can feel it It's like this is genuine this is real Man I want to be like that I want that in my life I desire that so much But yet it frustrates you at the same time Because you know you're not there And like everything in you is like Get away from me Because you're making me feel There's something missing Let's just flip this around a little bit. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were all were people of ridiculous joy so that every time we went into the world and we rubbed up against people that don't have r- ridiculous joy, we're doing the same thing to them? Wouldn't it be awesome if your life was putting people in that kind of attention? Man, I want what you got, but at the same time I can't stand being around you. Why? Because we're bringing light into darkness. That would be awesome if we were like that. I remember one time... My parents, uh, why they do these things, I don't know. They invited a missionary to come stay with us for like a month or two months, him and his family. It really messed up my life, right? Because at the moment of my life when they did this, this was when I wanted really nothing to do with church. I came to church. This is, I mean, but we used to go out and drink and all the time and used to do all this stuff. So I would wake up almost every day about 10, 30, 11 in the morning. And I'd stumble downstairs, and, and I'm not in a condition to be joyful or happy or anything. I don't want to talk to people. And you walk downstairs, and then there's the missionary sitting there, and every, every day he just annoyed me. He's just like, morning! And he was so loving and friendly, and it just, and everything, I just, I wanted to hit him. Every single morning. But the reason was because I wanted him gone. Because every day I was around him, it reminded me of where I wasn't. That's what I'm talking about. Again, what is the mark of our life? If we were to look at our day, is our day full of frustration, fear, anxiety, stress, worry, anger, negativity, doubt, sadness, and defeat? Or would we say that our days are marked primarily with joy? So one of the lies that I've been processing in this is this. Here's one lie that I think we talk about. We say things like this to ourselves, or, or the enemy has made us believe this, or the world, whatever it is. We, think, we say things like this. Yeah, I'm not really a joyful person right now, but once my circumstances change, man, I know joy's coming back. Or, or we say things, once life slows down a little bit and gets a little easier and I feel like I'm a little more in control, joy will come back. Or once I get over this situation... That's where joy is going to come once again. I'm going to have more joy when things start changing. Can I stop us just for a moment if you've ever thought those things, how foolish that is? Because those are the moments we need joy the most. I need ridiculous joy when I'm going through the darkest valley. Not saying, hey, when I'm going through this, I'm going to leave joy over here and it'll come back to me eventually. No, that's when I need joy the most. But we believe this lie that tells us Once things change I'll be able to be joyful again Or Another lie that I've told myself And maybe you have too is this We kind of look at our lives And we look at our frustration and our fear and our anxiety I look at my own depression issues That I've struggled with for many years I look at all of these things And I believe the lie that says this This is just the way it is This is just the way it is it's, it's never going to change Because I've never experienced it changing So it's just the way, the, it, it, just the way it is So I want us to share a story just for a moment That I've always wrestled with Because so I, I, I just think it's an amazing um, aspect of this That I heard once And, and it, just, it came back to me this week Maybe you've heard this before um, But it's the concept on how Circuses and them would, would train Elephants I don't know if you ever heard this, but it's an amazing aspect of this. So basically, when an elephant is a baby, they would take the elephant and they would clamp, they'll clamp this huge chain on it. This massive chain. On their leg and they would stake it down with this massive stake There is no way this baby elephant is going to move this chain And that baby elephant will fight it and struggle against it And push against it and and no hope And what ends up happening is the chain that they put on The bracket they put on will start cutting into their leg And it will start hurting And the baby elephant will start learning If I struggle, if I fight, if I try to get free I'm hurting myself and eventually it will just give up See what happens when the elephant gives up as it grows and it gets bigger It's set in a mindset that says it's never going to change So why try? And that's why you see these gigantic animals That have the power to destroy anything in front of them Staked down with these little stakes And a tiny rope And they don't go anywhere And if you look at this picture I don't know about you But just the size of that foot I don't think it should have a problem With ripping out a little stake In the ground But the elephant's been conditioned It's never going to change The elephant's been conditioned This is just the way it is The elephant's been conditioned That if I try I'm just going to get hurt again If I try it's just going to hurt more So what's the point I'm just going to stay here imprisoned and burdened chained up with no joy. I think about that with my own life and I want to put it out to us to think about this because here's the thing while this is might be the reality that some of us are living in I want you to realize that God even if you're in a place right now where you are burdened and trapped and you are robbed of joy, God is announcing to you, God is proclaiming to you, God is shouting to you, it is for freedom that I have set you free. Notice again, Paul didn't say, God is saying, I have set you free. He's like, listen, it is for freedom that I have set you free. When I was a teenager, I attended this large nationwide youth conference, and there was, I still remember to this day, uh, there was a Christian artist there by the name of Al Denson. I don't even know if the guy's still around. I just remember he was there, and he played a video, and this will never leave me. It was a video of one of his songs called Alcatraz, and in the video, and the meaning of the song was in the video, it shows a person trapped in a prison. And it shows this team of people This person coming in and kicking open All the doors and kicking in all the Places where darkness was and kicking in All that and and bringing light into this Hopeless and doom filled situation And kicking all of this in there So that the person that was trapped in the prison Could get out But here's the part that stuck with me See Jesus He's kicked open all the doors (laughs) We still got to get up and walk out. Right? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I can't just sit here and say, Oh, Jesus, you've you've offered, you've you've made the way for freedom. You see, I can I can understand freedom and still be a prisoner. I can proclaim freedom and still be a prisoner. I can rejoice even in freedom And still be a prisoner It is for freedom that Christ has set you free He's kicked open the doors to the prison So that we get up and walk out So now let's go to Isaiah Let's talk a little bit about some of the prisons that we have Let's look for a moment at Isaiah chapter 61 Because I want to talk about the things that are robbing our joy Isaiah 61, it says in this, verse 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Why is this passage important? It's because this is what Jesus says when he starts his ministry. Jesus quotes this passage when he starts his ministry. He gets up, he reads from the book of Isaiah, he reads this passage, and then he's basically like, hey, this is being fulfilled in your presence. And of course, they didn't get it. But let's talk for a moment. Let's just... Three things I want to point out that are robbing us of joy. And I want us to be honest with ourselves because if you're being robbed of joy, if I asked the question earlier, how are you doing with your joy, ridiculous joy, are you living ridiculous joy that is not based on life? I'm not asking like, hey, my life is good, right? I'm I'm happy. I'm saying ridiculous joy. If you're struggling with that, let's look at three things that steal that from us. Here's the first one. Jesus has given us victory over our hurts. Anybody that's ever been there, we're about to go into some Celebrate Recovery stuff. Jesus has given us victory over our hurts. Notice what he says. I have come. The the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And one of the reasons he's upon me is to proclaim the good news he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Some of us are carrying wounds that Jesus is desperately wanting to heal. Now hear me on this. Just because Jesus heals it doesn't mean there's still not going to be a scar. Because when we're hurt, that hurt doesn't go away. There's no such thing as forgive and forget. That's one of the, I hate that statement, forgive and forget. There's no such thing as forgetting. That stuff's with us. But it doesn't mean it controls us. It doesn't mean it imprisons us. It doesn't mean that it dictates our lives. It doesn't mean that it robs us of joy. No, Jesus says, I have come to bind up The broken hearted I'm going to heal That wound And yeah it might not happen instantaneously But he's saying I am the one that can Heal that wound And take away that pain I'm the one that binds up the broken hearted And if you let me heal you And you let me give you victory over your hurts Guess what you're going to discover joy Maybe you're like me with this, but something I'm very good at is sweeping stuff under the rug. My wife said this to me once a long time ago, and it's still true today. I'm still working on this. She looked at me one day, something bad happened, and and I'm really good at sucking stuff down. Like, I'm really good at, here's the deal. I can be completely enraged, and you would never know it. I'm really good at not. And my wife looked at me one day, and she said, I am scared to death of the day that you blow. She's like, you're really good at just stuffing stuff underground. See, that's what a lot of us do with our hurts, right? Ah, it was nothing. Ah. I'll give you an example. It's a, it's a it's a good movie. Watch it, the edited version. But Goodwill Hunting. anybody's ever seen Goodwill Hunting? There's this moment in the movie. you have this abused kid, this person that's gone through horrible things in his life and Robin Williams, his therapist, looks at him and he says it's not your fault it's not your fault and Will in the movie is just like don't mess with me because he doesn't want to face it, he doesn't want to have to acknowledge it, he's been really good at stuffing it away, can I challenge all of us in here, there are people in this room that you're really good at stuffing hurts and it's robbing you of joy And Jesus says that's not why I came I came to give you freedom Second thing that he tells us He'll give us victory over our habits Notice the next thing That he says I've come to bring freedom For the captives Another thing that robs our joy Steals us from joy Is when we are in prison to our own habits and sin You know what's really sickening about sin Is sin is the thing that Damages me But then it's sin that I want to run to to try to ease the pain of my sin. It's just this vicious cycle, right? Like the sin brings shame, and then to ease my shame, I'll run back to sin thinking that for a moment it'll go away. And all it is is this horrible habit that I run through. But Jesus says, no, I've come to give you victory over your habits. I've come to proclaim freedom for the captives. Here's the question I have for you. Do you truly believe that Jesus can make you free? That Jesus has the power to break the change of any and every habit and sin. Because that's what he says he does. That's his business. That's his job. That's the thing that only he can do. Jesus gives us victory over our habits. Here's the last one. He gives us victory over our hang-ups. So again, this is Celebrate Recovery stuff. Celebrate Recovery says that Jesus gives us victory over our hurts, habits, and hangups. So what's a hang-up? He says, I'm going to release from darkness the prisoners. I'm going to release from darkness the prisoners. And what I mean by that is, and when I think about that is, some of us are trapped, we're imprisoned with lies. We have The wrong thoughts, we have the wrong beliefs We have the wrong ideas, we have the wrong mindset In our own brains We've created strongholds That are keeping us imprisoned Let me give you one of the biggest strongholds I see for myself But also for other people many times Is this You hear things like this You might get excited about stuff like this But you can't let go of the stronghold in your mind The hang up in your mind That you're not worth it I'm not worthy of Jesus' love. I'm not worthy of Jesus' attention. I'm not worthy of anything Jesus wants to do in me. I'm not worthy. I'm not worth it. I have no value. I have no... Because some of us have spent a lot of time of our lives with people speaking into us that we don't have no value or worth. And that's called a hang-up. And that gets in the way of ridiculous joy. So Jesus comes and says, Hey, I've come to give victory over our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So let me, let's kind of bring this all together And let me say this Jesus is offering to us victory Over these three things Our hurts, habits, and hang-ups Because he's freed us To run It's almost like, well, wait a minute, run I mean, scripture talks about it. Run the race that has been marked out in front of you Run the race And Jesus frees us to run the race. See, this truth... That he has freed us is, again, hear me on this. It's not based on my feelings. It's not based on my circumstances. This truth is based on this. The truth that Jesus frees us from our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, that is based on the cross, on the empty tomb, on the ascension of Jesus. It's based on the promises of God, and it's sealed with the proclamation, it is finished. victory freedom from every hurt from every habit and every hang up so remember again, this foundation of ridiculous joy Is based on the victory of Jesus The fact that he has overcome the world So hear me on this, really hear me on this While the world attempts to break me Jesus heals me While the world tries to overwhelm me Jesus frees me While the world tries to defeat me Jesus upholds me Why? Because Jesus loves me I mean, Are we getting this? It is for freedom that I have set you free. Last verse. Let us throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race. Let me say it again. Let us throw off everything that hinders my hurts and hang-ups and let us and the sin that so easily entangles my habits and run the race this is where ridiculous joy is found ridiculous joy begins when we choose to lay down we go back to our song earlier when we choose to lay down our crowns and submit to the one and only eternal righteous Holy, all powerful And victorious king of glory Scripture tells us Humble yourselves before the Lord And he will lift you up So if the praise team wants to come I guess I shouldn't say if they want to come If the praise team would come Kind of open it up to them And be like no I don't think I want to Here's the thing. As we close, we're going to close with this song again, We Fall Down. This morning, if you're wrestling and you don't have ridiculous joy, man, again, let me remind you, you can't produce it. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to be more joyful. I'm going to do that. It has to start. Remember, it's connected to your intimacy with Jesus. And our intimacy with Jesus is dependent upon our submission to Jesus. When we humble ourselves, when I cast off my crown, casting off my crown means I am not the Lord of this life. I am not the king of this life. This is not my life. It is yours. And Jesus, when it is yours, it is for freedom that you have set me free. So I'm going to cast off my crown. stand as we close with us let's cast off our crowns together